Okay, okay, okay. Welcome back to the Clark and Miller English Podcast. And if you're new, this is your first time listening, well, just welcome. Good to have you here. Joining our ever-growing community of people who are learning English, teaching English, or just curious about English and how it works. Uh, I won't be long in the introduction today um, because we've got a, a lovely interview that we should just get going with, but um, uh, with Lindsay from uh, lindsaydoeslanguages.com. Uh, Lindsay is a polyglot lovely word polyglot uh, polyglot is somebody who can speak a lot of languages she has a passion for learning languages she's good at it but she's not just good she has lots of strategies for it too so uh yeah uh, we'll just get straight on to it i talk to Lindsay in the next in the next hour you're going to hear uh how she became a multilingual speaker how learning a language can help you with uh, learning the next one um what made her start her blog um when she decided to learn all the languages because she knows a lot um how to exploit embarrassment to learn a language how to deal with the dreaded intermediate plateau when you're stuck at sort of an intermediate sort of level and you can't get past it reading for pleasure versus reading for analysis you know sometimes we we need to read just for fun and sometimes we need to read to improve how your first language can help you with your second language or your third or your fourth or your fifth and three good tips for learning languages from basically a language learning expert we had a great chat and uh, yeah we'll just get going um, i'm not going to plug the website or anything you know where to go clarkamilla.com everything's there yeah let's just get going okay my chat with lindsay here we go lovely cool yeah well thanks yeah first of all just thanks so much for uh, agreeing to do do this it's going to be fun i think and interesting yeah, i hope it will yeah definitely. cool all right let's just should we just dive straight in so yeah hi lindsay uh i'm sitting here with lindsay from lindsay does languages um i'm going to let you introduce yourself uh lindsay who are you Who am I? Wow, that is, I was not expecting that to be the question. Um, <laughs> so I'm Lindsay, hello, and I suppose I do languages. So mm -hmm. I live in the UK, I was mm -hmm. born here, I've spent pretty much all my life here. Um, and my first interaction with languages, really, foreign languages, um, English native, was French back in primary mm -hmm. school. They gave us croissants at the end of term. It was like an extracurricular club. <laughs> so I kept going for the croissants. And then that just kept going throughout school. It wasn't until I was in year nine, about age 13, 14, picking my GCSEs. And mm -hmm. I wanted to do Spanish because Shakira was a thing. It's always been great motivations, has to be said. Croissants <laughs> so far, Shakira next. Um, what's, what's Shakira? Shakira. I'm so ignorant. Shakira, I'm guessing Shakira. it's food. Oh, the, no, the singer, Shakira. The singer, yeah. Okay, oh. I thought it was another food item. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but food food is definitely a motivation, I think, for mm -hmm. other languages. You're in Bulgaria, mm -hmm. right? Bulgarian food. Yeah. Oh, that oh, is yeah. an underrated cuisine. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you like? Which which stuff do you like in, in Bulgaria? Oh, man. Food-wise. I mean, there's... there's I'm, 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 I'm vegan, really. So on mm, that front... It makes it kind of, there's there's things that make it difficult in Bulgaria mm -hmm. in particular, right? Um, Tell me about but it. But I remember yeah. there were a lot of good things. What did we have? Oh, 
if I say things, they're going to be, I know, I know a lot of the words for like the, the meat dishes and the other things. I can't remember any of the stuff mm-hmm. without, but it was some good, good food. Was I was, it kind I was of impressed. salady stuff or was it kind of a little uh, bit salad? Oh, and the, the burek, obviously not the, not, not, you don't call yeah. it burek. Um, Banitza. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So good. So good. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I, I've Very jumped oily. ahead a few years. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've jumped ahead a few years. But yeah, going straight croissants to Bulgarian. and Shakira. Croissants, Shakira. And, but my school said, well, if you want to learn Spanish, you need to keep doing French to prove that you can do languages. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I was like, oh, fine. I guess I'll have to keep doing French. Now I'm very grateful for that mm-hmm. because I think that having you know, being, I guess, forced into doing multiple languages from a young age really broadened my perception of what it means to learn a language. And actually, Mm -hmm. most of my life ever since then has been learning multiple languages at once. There's been times when I've focused in, you know, but yeah, it's so that's something I, I care about a lot. So, and then, um, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry. Can I, yeah, I mean, already there's some questions brewing in my yeah, head. Yeah, feel, just feel on this free. Narrative. Just, just butt yeah. in at any, any point. Okay, <laughs> I'll be shameless. Um, yeah, so you, you started already with this French and Spanish. So how was it going with the French at the beginning? Did you, like, take to it? Did you find that you took to languages like that? Or was it more mm. when you were, like, you started doing more than one language it start the spark kind of happened or was it all, all just a much more gradual process that's a very good question i never thought that i was good at french mm-hmm. i just did it and and a lot of you know it's primary school in the 90s a lot of it was very much like red blue dog cat <laughs> very very easy stuff yeah and i was quite good at school in general so i think that was probably reflected in being good at French at that Mm. age but then I would say that it was when I went to secondary school and the way that I mean I I don't know exactly what the situation is like now but the way that languages are taught or were taught in the UK was um, in secondary school you kind of start from scratch again so you've got Mm. a room full of 11 year olds who don't see the benefit in learning a language because everyone speaks English and then you know you're having to start with bonjour and you're starting from the beginning and you're you're teaching like like they're younger because it's that's you know the way that it's 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 kind of taught so mm-hmm. i had then 2 years of being in a mixed ability class being with my form group doing french where i was way ahead of the game because i'd had that advantage of it in primary school and it was then when i thought i know i, I didn't think I'm trying to think back to how I felt at the time. I didn't think that I was good at languages. Mm. I didn't think that I was overly interested in languages. I think that I just thought I was good at languages in the same way I was good at music and drama, but not so good at, say, maths. All right. Okay. So maybe that means I was good at it or I'm good at it. Maybe that means it's something that comes it, more naturally. It sounds to me that you were just good at school. <laughs> so, I was, yeah. 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 I, I okay. kind of, yeah, I followed the rules. So you know. <laughs> with the language stuff, what happened next? Because, okay, so you got your French and, French and your Spanish. Did you, did you take exams like GCSEs and A-levels in, in yeah. those subjects? GCSEs in both French and Spanish I carried them both through to A-level because Mm -hmm. again I was at this point where when I had to pick my A-level subjects 
I don't really know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, with my life, with my life. Does anyone when they're that age, I think <laughs> mm-hmm. it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, languages are useful. My mum said, you, you, you get in good grades in languages. That's going to be a useful skill, whatever you decide to do. Maybe that would be a good thing to do as well. And I thought, okay, yeah, she's right. Mm-hmm. And um, we went to look at two places because it was the Spanish really that had, by this point, I would say sparked a bit more of an interest mm-hmm. and sparked a bit more of a kind of passion for at that point primarily Spanish you know more so than languages as a whole and there were only two places where I could go to do Spanish at A level one of them was a college in um in I lived in a small town and there was like a bigger town called Northampton nearby Mm -hmm. that would have been like an hour on the bus every day um to go to do just because I wanted to do Spanish an hour on the bus twice a day. And then there was this sixth form college that was about a 20 minute bus drive away in a mm. village and they offered Spanish. So we're like, okay, this is interesting. Let's, let's, I hadn't even thought about sixth form. I just thought college was, was the way. Mm-hmm. And um, we went to the open evening, me and my mum, and we sat there at the little, you know, the big main hall and they do the little speech and they say, hello, welcome to such and such a school. We are a specialist language college. And we just looked at each other like, oh, okay, so this is it. This is the place. And so then there was no choice. There was no decision in the matter then. So that that made that easy. Um, So it was the Spanish that kind of drove that. That then being a specialist language college really opened my eyes as well Mm -hmm. because there were people there who had studied Japanese. There were people there who had studied French, Spanish, German. There was one guy there in the year above who was doing French and Spanish and German all at A-level. Wow. And that just blew my mind because it was like, yeah, there were there were a few of us doing two languages, but this guy was doing three. It was like, wow, that's amazing. How does he do it? You know, and we, it, it was quite cool. So then uh, I think then when I picked... Like university for me was kind of weird mm-hmm. because I didn't really want to go to university. I didn't. The main reason being I didn't want to get into debt. I mm-hmm. felt that that seemed quite an odd way to start your life. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. So, um, so I thought, okay, well, let's take some time. Mm-hmm. I took a gap year, I suppose you could call it. I went to Costa Rica for three months in between, sandwiched in between working in a petrol station. That sounds like um, a gap year. yeah most of the time I was working in a petrol station but the nice bit to focus on is that I went to Costa Rica okay um and I was teaching English out there and I was living with the family my Spanish Uh was getting better and better and when I came back and I most of my friends had left this little town you know they'd gone off to various places across the country to university and I was thinking what's the thing if I was to pick a thing to study at university I guess it would be languages by this point. I guess that would be the thing that has, by that age, got a bit of a passion, got a bit of a drive. I was seeing the purpose, but I wasn't seeing the purpose of university. So I looked into it a bit. I found out about the Open University. I studied with them. So that was mm-hmm. six years. The first level, so, though, So, okay, was, so that's yeah. open... You went with Open University in the end. Yeah. Which is a yeah. free free university in, in the UK. It's free? Well, is yeah, it? it's, not, or... it's not free. It's, um, it's distance learning. It's part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, unfortunately, their fees have increased. When the, when the government hiked the fees in this country, yeah. like, tripled them, they had to increase their fees as well mm-hmm. as a result of that. But at the time, um, for me, because I was, like... Let me think. 
I left the petrol station and I got a job in a school by this point, but it was a teaching assistant, ridiculously low wage. Mm-hmm. So because of my ridiculously low wage, I was able to actually get my degree for free. Mm-hmm. I paid about a thousand pounds for a German course, for okay. two German courses. So you did like, German I was so lucky. with the Open University. As well. That was yeah. like in addition to the degree. That was separate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. The, the, wow. fir- the first year was um, the English, sorry, not the English, the French and Spanish in the first year, the first level. I'd mm-hmm. already done that at A level. That was going to take me up to A level. I thought there's no point doing that. I can do it. There's other languages here. Maybe mm-hmm. this is my chance to mm-hmm. learn. So I opted for Italian and they just opened a Mandarin Chinese course as well. So I was like, that's cool. Let's do this. Yeah, that doesn't sound Um, challenging at all. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know my thinking? And I realise now this is so flawed. I thought, well, the Italian will be easy. I've got French. I've got Mm -hmm. Spanish. That's going to be easy. So I've got more energy to put into the Mandarin. And it's not a bad principle. But yeah, I kind of took that and ran with it a little bit and spent no time learning Italian. (laughs) Okay, because yeah, that does bring me to actually, I might jump in with one of the questions I had planned there. Because I wanted to ask you, um, like how, you know, once you pick up more languages, how they inform each other. And, and I mean, let's look at the, the, these are Indo-European languages. They're fairly similar. They're all Romance languages, Italian, French, Spanish. How easy, how right were you when you, when you made that assumption that the Italian would be a breeze if, <laughs> if you, um, yeah, if you since you already had the French and the Spanish, was, were you right? There's some truth in it. Mm-hmm. I remember at A-level in the second year, there was just two of us in the class. There was me and there was my best friend. And we were there with our teacher one day. He was Colombian. Uh-huh. And uh, we were talking about like how he learned English and how, you know, how he did it and stuff. And he said, yeah, you know, and the thing is with you guys, with your Spanish now at the level it is, you could go and live in Portugal for a year and be fluent in Portuguese. You could go and work in Italy for a year and be fluent in Italian. And mm-hmm. I was like, what? You're telling me I don't need to come and sit in a classroom every single time <laughs> I want to learn a language? This is amazing news to me. <laughs> and I kind of took that on board. So I think then, yeah, when I, when I did do the Italian and the Mandarin, the Italian, the things that were easy, I spent zero time on. The things that were hard, I brushed over because... Mm. Like my kind of ignorance to that was thinking that, oh yeah, but I can just like, I can do this bit. Yep, yeah, that's fine. I don't need to focus. Oh, this is too hard. Why is this harder than Spanish? Oh, why is this bit harder than French? Mm. No. I think that's a familiar fe- feeling that yeah. every learner, every language learner gets. Yeah. When it gets yeah. challenging, it's, it's easy to give up. Yeah. It is. And, and I think on the other hand, at the time, when I think back to the Mandarin, because that was so new and because that was so different, I was too young to appreciate that. I was almost thinking every language, if I've done it once, I can do it again, which I do mm-hmm. believe is true. If you've mm-hmm. done it once, you can do it again. But there are differences to acknowledge. I did not acknowledge that learning Mandarin would involve, I mean, obviously I knew it, but I didn't think about it, of like, you've got to learn the character and the opinion that goes with that and the tone that goes with that and the meaning and then how that combines to make other words and other, you know, and that is a lot. There's extra layers there mm-hmm. that I hadn't acknowledged that weren't present in French yeah. and Spanish so in things Italian. you had to think about that you never had to think about before. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. And that doesn't make it impossible, 
but it does make it different if you're going into that thinking yeah I've done this I can do it and not willing to accept those changes maybe okay. I was too young to, yeah. to figure that all out okay so if you could go back and give yourself advice <laughs> at that stage what would it be exactly because this could actually transfer to you know our listeners and that they're their English learning experience. Take take advantage of the situations that you've found yourself in. Mm-hmm. Cool. Whether that is being on a Chinese course that has only just opened up that you picked on a whim because you thought, oh, that'd be a bit different compared to the German option that mm-hmm. I ended up doing later anyway. <laughs> but, you know, whether it's that or whether it's that you find yourself... Um, living, working, studying in an English-speaking country, whether it's that you have the option to go to a local meetup, whether it's that, you know, you're in the supermarket and you overhear someone speaking in that language. Like, I'm not saying, you know, go over and say, hi, I'm learning your language, let's talk. (laughs) Right, I get it, that would be weird. I get it. But just, that's a chance to just listen in. So take advantage, I think, of, of the situations that you find yourself in cool follow english speakers around the supermarket for example <laughs> don't quote me on that <laughs> that's, that's the title of the episode now twisted my words there <laughs> okay but yeah take advantage as soon whenever you can yeah. yeah okay cool so by this time you know you finish uni and you, you you've where are we now you've got some you've got french you've got spanish you've got some mandarin and then you said you went off and did German as well. Um, so I guess you realised that languages were definitely your thing now, I suppose, at this stage. Mm. So, <laughs> so, yeah, but, there's some crossover. Uh-huh. So so my degree was like 2009 to 2015. Mm-hmm. And I started learning as languages in 2012. So okay. almost oh, so slap bang were, in the middle. You were still doing your degree when you started your blog? Uh, yes and no. So I started mm-hmm. Lindsay's Languages in 2012 as an offline private tuition company. So I was driving oh. around, speeding around in rush hour to people's houses, teaching primarily French and Spanish like for, for school children and mm-hmm. also English. Um, I was working with groups in the daytime, with groups of young asylum seekers, mm. with um, corporate groups who a lot of my work very, very early on, I was very, very lucky, was... Um, working um in a garlic bread factory where all of a sudden they had this rush of 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 new orders and things and they needed to get people so they'd gone to an agency and said quick give us some staff not interviewed people but kept them on permanently and then thought hang on a minute safety procedures we need these people to speak english and so they then brought me in to teach english so So there's a garlic bread factory garlic bread was like their dominant food cool yeah yeah it is yeah i've had a lot of bread as well in that like i also worked at one point in in a flat in a laboratory for a flour mill like i don't know why i keep coming back to bread so bread is like a reoccurring theme in your life reoccurring theme now we're in quarantine naturally got my sourdough starts on the go okay of course of course yeah 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 (laughs) so always the with the bread bread's Um, nice everyone likes bread of course yeah. yeah so so that was 2012 okay I did that for two years and it was 2014 I had a website throughout that time but I never really used it it was 2014 when I started blogging mm-hmm. sharing videos um 
talking about languages online and sort of switching what I was doing from offline to online. Okay. My husband was training to be a primary school teacher and we said, okay, let's see wherever you get a job. I can move. I can lift myself up and go. So it was in, initially it was going to be like a for the interim so that I still had money coming in until I found all these new offline people. But then I was like, you know what? I, I prefer this. Mm-hmm. this is, you prefer the blogging? This, I preferred the online, working online. It suited me so mm-hmm. much better. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of stuck with it. And here we are, 2020. Cool. And yeah. like when you when you moved over to the blog, uh, like presumably you were talking about, you know, tips on how to learn French and Spanish and, and the, the languages you'd, you'd already sort of got. So what kind of got you going? What, what kind of made you just go, oh, to hell with it. I'm just going to learn every language now. Because um, it seems to me that you, you basically, sometime in your life, you did that. Did that happen? That moment when you're just going to learn all the languages? Yes, and it would have been around that time. So up until that point, like you said, the French, the Spanish, the Italian, the Mandarin, and the German mm-hmm. were all kind of academic. Were all education, formal right. education based. When I started the blog, I thought, okay, well, if I'm doing this, I need to talk about language learning I you know I, I, I can't just like not share my experience because the German and the I think at the time it was German and French maybe mm-hmm. because they were um like study that was that felt separate mm-hmm. I thought well I need let's let's learn a new language and let's talk about that so I picked Dutch I was in the library one day in between in between going to lessons there was a complete Dutch book on the shelf and I was like okay yeah let's give it a go let's do this and I picked it up and that was the first language I attempted to learn myself and then so shortly just, after you, that you just yeah. saw some like you were thinking of learning a language you saw a language lying around somewhere and you went that one pretty much cool pretty okay much. I like it spontaneous yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> um, and it wasn't long after that that then um, italki got in touch they were quite new mm-hmm. at the time and um, they were doing their language challenge for the world cup when it was in Brazil and oh, okay. said, do you want to, you know, be on our blog and, and blog about your experience learning with us for this? And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. So I was like, okay, but I've kind of started with the Dutch already. Like, it seems wrong to... I was like, okay, I'll just do Portuguese because it's in Brazil. Let's learn Portuguese. Let's, yeah. let's do it. So I learned Portuguese. And then this was like now four kind of that summer was kind of mad because there was, there was the German, there was the French, there was the Dutch and there was the Portuguese all ticking over at once. Um and then after that, I, I kind of lose track of the order. But yeah, pretty much I just kind of, I'm like, oh, I'm intrigued. Let's learn something about that language. Okay. Yeah. And then you, you went everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. That's great. Um, so that, that's your background in a nutshell, right? I suppose. We got <laughs> like, there in the end, didn't the we? The language side of it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, completely different question. Um, yeah. Have you got an embarrassing story, like, you know, from learning? You know, embarrassment is like a huge part of learning a language. And, you know, you've got to practice, you've got to make mistakes, you've got to make a fool of yourself. Have you got any good embarrassing stories? Yes. Okay, great. Would you like and to I, tell me what they are? Or I, I, always feel, I always feel awkward telling it because I never mm. know if, it's, if it was in my head. Like, mm. I know it happened, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the language is in, is in my head or if it's true. I think it's true true so 
when I was in Costa Rica and I was working in, in a class one day, they, were, they had an English teacher, so I was working with her. Sometimes I'd be at the front and she'd be going around the room. Other times she'd be at the front and I'd be kind of sat with the naughty kids trying to keep them down. And um, there was a set of twins in the oldest class who were, you know, the kind of notorious sort of rogues, not rogues like, a, you know, not like setting the place on fire, but just a little <laughs> bit cheeky. Okay, badly behaved children. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and I'm sat with one of them and he gets up and says, and I told him to sit down and he turned and he looked at me and he just went, turned around and told the class like, hey, she just told me. Da, da, da. And I was like, oh, I only told him to sit down. Like, and he'd normally, you know, but, and then it wasn't until I went back that night and I was looking in my little dictionary. I'm thinking, what did I, did I do something wrong? And I think I told him to touch himself or feel himself oh, instead no. of sit down but then i but then i'm like did i say that i i, I don't know but so but, it's embarrassing because i then tell it and i'm not sure if the language in the story is right but i think it is mm. well i mean I you it did is. definitely it sounds like you definitely said something interesting something wrong, or wrong. something wrong it was yeah. it was quite a reaction yeah oh, that's quite funny <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one and on the on the topic of embarrassment i'm just thinking you know um for you know, uh, the, the listeners listening now are mostly sort of English learners. Um, so how can we exploit it? Can we, can we do that? Can we exploit embarrassment to, to help our learning? Can, oh, yeah. we, can we turn it from something negative into something positive? I don't know if you... I haven't really thought about this much either. Um, I don't know if you have. But... I love the way you phrase it, exploiting mm-hmm. embarrassment. I think that's... <laughs> Such a beautiful way to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely we can. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I think as a language learner, you've got to be willing to laugh at yourself. Yeah. You've got to be willing to not take it too seriously, accept that you're going to make mistakes, kind of embrace it because, you know, if, if you don't, no one else will. If, if you make a mistake and then you kind of stand there really stiff like... <sighs> Why, why are you laughing? What's, what, then people are going to laugh more and they're going to think you're even weirder. But if you, know, if you make a mistake and then you say, oh, wait, why are you laughing? What did I say wrong? Oh, no. Oh, I'm so, oh, man, that's so embarrassing. That's a much better response for everyone. It's much more comfortable for everyone. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, something that I talk about a lot and I've, I've written a blog post about this recently, so I'll share that with you. Okay. Um, it's about setting mistake goals. Setting mistake goals. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So again, kind of like exploit embarrassment, two words that don't go together for, you know, seemingly at first glance, mistake goals. But the point is, we are kind of raised, I guess, from a very young age to think of um, mistakes as bad, to think of failure as bad. Mm -hmm. You know, if we failed, we've done bad If we've succeeded, we've done good and we should always aim for success. But the truth is that we don't just get success. To get success, you have to fail. Mm -hmm. You have to make mistakes. So rather than just thinking, oh, I want to avoid making mistakes, so I'm just not going to say anything at all. If we tell ourselves in, in a practice, you know, language study scenario or in a real life scenario, if you want to really go for it and say, you know what, I'm going to make five mistakes. This started for me um, using Snapchat. You could do it now on Instagram stories, right? This was a few years ago. Snapchat was like the in thing. Yeah. 
So I would record myself just practicing the language out loud um, and then it would replay. So I'd get a chance to watch it back and be like, oh yeah, I said that vowel instead of that vowel or hey a minute, that's not the right word. Keeping a tally, checking in, checking in with myself and keeping a little tally of my mistakes. When I get to five mistakes, cool, done. I've, I've reached what I wanted to do. Not only have I then spoken more than if I hadn't made that mistake goal, I've practiced, right? If it has been very easy to get to that point, I know that I still need to do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. If it's taken me a long time to get to five mistakes, then I know that I've just spoken more than I would have. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. still a plus, still a plus. Now, the obvious thing here is, well, hang on a minute. How do I know I'm making a mistake? I don't know all the times I'm making a mistake. That's why they're mistakes. That's why they keep happening. So I get that as well. I understand that. The The obvious answer here would be to say, okay, so if you have a teacher you're working with, mm-hmm. a tutor, share this with them. You know, share it on social media. If you don't have a tutor that you're working with, you know, ask for mistakes, share it. And, and there's a lovely, lovely language, commun- language learning community online that are more than happy to help and support so um yeah that's great yeah i want to recap that because that's that's really that's golden Mm. mistake goals yeah try and make mistakes but also embedded in that was a really good piece of advice i thought as well was the recording yourself when you record yourself it's just incredible like everyone should be recording themselves but yeah i like this combining those like record yourself find your mistakes and, and have a target to make a certain number of mistakes Great advice. I, yeah, I haven't heard that before. That's a good one. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, that's a good one. How to exploit your embarrassment um, by making mistake goals. Um, another question uh, that's rather Go going totally randomly somewhere else. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, everyone hates this phrase. The intermediate plateau. <laughs> I don't Every- hate the phrase. I, I hate the being the there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And okay, so you, you I, I don't, actually, I should have asked you, how many languages would you say that you speak right now? It's, mm. I'm sure it's quite a tricky question to ask. Now that's, yeah. You say people hate the intermediate plateau. That's a question that always gets me. Mm. I, I don't know. I think, it, mm. so I will say this. I've studied over 12 languages to some level of competence i say over 12 because i kind of lose track a lot of them like the over 12 bit they're kind of very basic right now so like earlier this year i was learning um some languages of the of the united kingdom so welsh manx cornish scottish gaelic fantastic yeah um the celtic ones yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, not not intentionally, but just of mm-hmm. naturally what's what's here. Um, we have a series called Language Stories where we document languages around the world. We speak with people that speak them and we make a documentary um, podcast and video. Language and we were going to do a UK series. Coronavirus stopped that. So, so yeah, I don't really count those at the minute because they're still kind of in the works. This is why mm-hmm. I'm saying over 12. But even within that, there's still some like my Korean, my Mandarin and my Dutch are the three that stand out to me that are much weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think that was your original question. Was well, it? it's related. It's good. And all okay. of this is quite interesting. But um, yeah, I, what I, I guess I should rephrase it. How many languages have you beaten the intermediate plateau in? Mm. I would say... Mm. 
two for definite. Mm-hmm. Five maybe beaten at like B1. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's... Kind that's... of B1 to B2, but not like up to C1. Yeah, that's... The others. That's a, that's an in, actually that's a really good point. I always see the intermediate plateau as kind of two plateaus around that lev- those levels. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like base, basic competency to decent competency, but never like. And then after that is the the last bit where, where you really get into sort of full competency, I guess. <laughs> None of these so are te- case, technical yeah. terms. But, Pro- no. <laughs> yeah. In that case, probably like five. I would include then German, Italian, and Portuguese. Cool. Where I've gone through the awkward bit. I'm yeah. still not still not perfect, but I can communicate a lot more effectively in those. And I think I've probably got past the bit where it's not as fun. Yeah. So you can hold your own a bit in yeah. those in yeah. those languages. Okay. Yeah. So. Here we go then. So how how would you advise getting over that plateau? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it involves, number one, as much exposure as you can get. Okay, exposure. So just really going all in with the language. And I'm not just talking about, okay, so I'm going to listen to that language course again and again and again and again, just all day long, all night long, going to learn while I sleep. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about music. I'm talking about film. I'm talking about mm-hmm. reading books. I'm talking about embracing what that language is <clears throat> culturally. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah. Culture and language are so, so intertwined. So intertwined. Yeah. Absolutely. They, they just cannot be separated. And I think mm. that is one thing that, you know, you can you can do the kind of beginner stuff. You can do the A1, A2 level stuff, like easy peasy without even needing to know, you know, any music or any films or any of that kind of, you know, food or where speaks the language. Yeah, you could very effectively get to that point. But I think something very key with the intermediate plateau is that cultural drive. And I think... If we look back, we were talking earlier about exams, right? GCSE, it's all just words. There's no, in a language, GCSE, it's all just words. There's no real talk of of culture. Mm -hmm. When you get to A-level, all of a sudden, I'm having to learn about immigration. Mm -hmm. I'm having to learn about energy and and, um, renewable energy resources and stuff like this In in a French context. Those kind of things, you know, become much more interesting. And that helps you to kind of drive I'm not saying go out and learn about immigration and renewable energy specifically <laughs> Unless they were just the ones <laughs> they were just the ones we had to do um <laughs> but yeah I think that that is one of the, the key things so the exposure the other obvious thing is just an increase in actually you know your output using it as much as you can as well as just taking it in and consuming so making sure that you're giving yourself as many opportunities to speak even if you know, it's the the thing about the intermediate plateau. There's a there was a really good explanation. I'm I'm sure it's online somewhere um, from Steve Kaufman, the guy who founded Link. Um, I think it was at Langfest one year, and he talked about this idea of an inverted hockey stick, where you start learning a language and it's the bottom end of the hockey stick, the bit that hits the puck, right? And mm-hmm. it's like whoosh. And then from then on, it's just this long, slow drag (laughs) that seemingly never ends. Mm. And I think that's the other thing is just kind of defining to yourself, when do I consider to have passed this plateau? 
Is it just for me a lack of motivation? Is it when I get my motivation back, I feel like I've moved past it? Is it grammar specific? Is it vocabulary specific? Is it a combination of these things? Mm-hmm. And kind of looking at yourself and your own situation to establish what it means to you. And then you'll be able to move forward a lot mm-hmm. stronger. That's cool. Yeah. So in, in, in a way, uh, Kaufman's sort of metaphor kind of suggests that there isn't really a plateau. It's just just a constant trajectory, a constant like work and work and work and just have to keep going and going and going. Yeah, it's a good which, point. Yeah, which is, I mean, maybe it is, yeah, because we have metaphors and sometimes two metaphors can be right. Um, there's just different ways of looking at things, I guess. But, okay, can I recap your plateau advice? Yes, please okay. do. Okay, uh, so yeah, um, exposure, but exposure to the language through the culture, not just the language. It in, intertwined with the culture. So, yeah, uh, watch films, re- listen to music, read books, um, all that stuff. Increase your output as well, yeah. uh, so you can like produce as much. Like, so, yeah, following people around supermarkets and trying to talk to them. Um, and Back on the supermarket. Oh, yeah, I'm not letting that go. And, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then analyse your own situation. Be self-aware. Really, like, be yeah. honest with yourself and try to figure out what you need and what's missing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's probably going to be the stuff that you don't like doing, isn't it, when you, when you actually look at it? <laughs> and I think that's why it's called a plateau. I think that's mm. why this term has kind of emerged, because... Mm that's you know we we don't want to go forward because it does feel kind of uncomfortable and like oh maybe this is as far as i can go you know no whoosh, you can yeah the, uh, yeah i hadn't thought summit. about it like that before that it might just be the stuff you need to do is the stuff you don't like doing because yeah and the thing is it it changes the stuff that you need to, the, sorry let me re, mm-hmm. reorder that mm-hmm. the stuff that you need to do changes the better you get at a language mm. so the things that i'm doing right now to continually improve my spanish are very very different to what i'm doing with my korean mm-hmm. you know which is ridiculously basic in comparison and if i were to try and do those korean activities for my spanish even even if they were adjusted level appropriate, I'd be bored out of my mind. If I tried to really do what I'm doing with my Spanish in Korean, mm-hmm. it'd be such a struggle that I'd want to give up. Yeah. So, you know, recognizing that what you do to learn a language will change. Sometimes when you get to these plateaus, that's what it is. You just need a bit of a shake-up of a, of a routine, of yeah. resources, of your habits with it, of what you're doing, where you're spending your energy and your time. That's that can be quite a big thing as well to just that's, kind of yeah assess. yeah yeah that's really cool advice I like that I've, I've just written down that line that is now your line the stuff you need to do changes depending on where you are in the language it's so true isn't it yeah okay that's, that's better than the supermarket I'm happy I, with that one oh I'll take I'll take both <laughs> I'll take both uh, <laughs> okay cool um, excellent um, more questions. <laughs> I'm just going to jump straight keep on to something coming, else. Keep them coming, keep them coming. I like this. This is all rather random. I just wrote the questions down randomly, so I'm just kind of picking and choosing now. Um, uh, do, do, do. Okay. Um, extensive reading versus intensive reading. Reading Ooh. for pleasure versus reading for sort of analysis. Where do you I'm stand glad on you've- that? I'm glad you've asked this after mm-hmm. what we've just said mm-hmm. about the different activities at different levels. 
so the, the, the thing I was referring to with my Spanish, it wasn't reading, but it is intensive. So I'll explain because it's, it is relevant and I think we'll come back around. Yeah, you can have listening so, too, so, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess it is, it's intensive listening, I guess you could call it, is I've got a film I'm watching on Netflix. It's taking me weeks to watch this film. It's like an hour and a half, but it's taking me weeks because I am watching it with subtitles and I'm writing down every single word or phrase that I do not know. So even if I know a word, I'm like, why is it used in that way in that sentence? Still writing that down. And it's about um, people in a waiting room for like kind of things like OCD and um, Tourette's and things like this. Mm. So because there's this character there with Tourette's, I've learned a lot of Spanish swear words over the past few weeks <laughs> you know and like that that stuff is is really interesting yeah. to me at the level i'm at in spanish whereas with korean that would just be filling my mind with too much if yeah. i was going too analytical mm-hmm. and digging in too much so i think if you can train yourself to stand extensive reading and extensive listening at an earlier level Mm -hmm. that can be beneficial in terms of the exposure Mm -hmm. because you're then just getting yourself used to being uncomfortable to not understanding every word it's a real it can be a really big hurdle to overcome Mm -hmm. um and listening as well you know listening as much as you can and not understanding but not feeling the need to understand every word because if you're then still doing other learning doing other things to learn that language eventually you know, as you continue to then extensively listen, you'll be at a point where you understand more and more. You'll be at a point where you understand more and more of what you're reading as well. And then you can begin to pick smaller chunks and to really analyse things. Equally, if what you have is not Harry Potter, not a novel or anything like that, and you've got like a dialogue in your textbook and you really want to pick that apart and it's, it's short and you're a beginner... Mm-hmm. But you can do that because it's short. It's not going to overwhelm you. You're not going to feel like, oh, I'm never going to finish this. When am I ever going to learn the, <laughs> learn the words right. for Quidditch in Korean? Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't need all of that stuff. You can just take the small stuff and be really intensive with that. So you're building up the skill of intensive reading and intensive listening whilst, you know, with, with smaller tasks mm-hmm. so that by the time you're ready, you can watch a film and even if it takes you months or weeks to do so you can be doing that more intensively because Mm -hmm. you're not needing to translate every word the things that you're needing to kind of write down and wanting to learn are less so you can pay more attention to that does that make sense yeah absolutely yeah yeah okay yeah so you're building from a from a very sort of uh dense can we make a metaphor it's like a forest turning into like fields or something yeah Yeah, that works Okay, good. Yeah, you're in a really dense forest. You have to hack your way through the forest, but eventually it opens up more and more, and then you're walking through a a field with cows. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Okay, cool. Okay, let's go for that. Yeah, no, that that then, if that makes sense to you, then what you said definitely made perfect sense. Good. Um, Cool. Okay. Um, Another question. I Mm -hmm. I like this. It's just completely random. I'm just attacking you with questions. Um, how can our how can our listeners who are chiefly English learners exploit their first language in learning English? Or, or, or is that a bad idea? Hmm. hmm. 
What, what, what do you mean? Give, give me an example of, mm. of exploit your first language. Well, okay, so let's say you, you can see how... Okay, <laughs> I hadn't expected that question. <laughs> like, the, okay, so I suppose you could start with things that are similar, right? And, and just going around and identifying the things that are similar. Um, how, how familiar are you with uh, Michelle Thomas? Has okay, a, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he's kind of, he's really interesting. Check him out as a character as well. He's, he's just, right. he's really interesting. Um, there's a YouTube documentary about him. It's really good. But um, yeah, so what he does, he sits people down and he just basically starts explaining in their first language what is the same in the language they're learning. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, okay, I think I understand the question. So, yes, I think you can exploit your first language and also um, any other languages that you know as well. Um, I'll give you an example. Okay. So one language that I've spent a lot of time learning in recent years is a language called Guarani, which is an indigenous language spoken in South America, primarily in Paraguay and parts of, uh, you know, countries surrounding. Um, It's an official language in Paraguay alongside Spanish. Mm Mm-hmm. In, in comparison to a lot of similar situations around the world where there's indigenous language li- languages living alongside colonial languages, mm-hmm. Guarani actually currently is doing all right in comparison. Great. Great. It's not a perfect situation, right? But, you know, and they've, they've had their trials and tribulations in the past. Um, but comparatively, it's a very, very interesting case. And that's what really drew me to it. Mm-hmm. But... A lot of resources for Guarani are in Spanish. There's very, 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 very little in English available. Knowing Spanish, therefore, I had to, if we like, if we're going to use the word exploit, I exploited my knowledge of Spanish to learn Guarani mm-hmm. because they were the resources that were available to me. So, you know, let's say that your native language is, um, oh, I don't know. Let's let's say that you speak two languages and you want to learn English, right? So there's maybe mm. where you live. There's let's say that let's let's take that as an example. Let's say that you speak Guarani and that you speak Spanish and you want to learn English. It's going to be much easier for you to use Spanish to learn English because of the resources that are available. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That does. So yeah. I think as well as exploiting your own language, one thing is exploiting other languages that you know and. You know, if there's other things available using that. Mm-hmm. Coming back to your own language, if you've got one native language and you're learning English as your first additional language, then um, I think, like you say, looking for cognates, looking for things that are similar as well as words. So, you know, if there's any things like word order and, and grammar, how do tenses work? How is that the, the same? How does that differ from your own language? I've learned the majority of my English grammar from learning foreign languages. Mm-hmm. Like when I was at school, we, we mm-hmm. weren't taught that. Yeah, yeah. Kids are taught that now, but when I was at school, no, we did not get taught grammar. Oh yeah, times. my stu- my students still get shocked when I tell them we don't learn grammar at school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now they do. Like my my husband teaches in primary, and like he knows what the subjunctive is. It's like, <laughs> and his class know what these uh, things mean as well. It's, I still it's incredible. Barely. So know things what have the changed. Is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's weird, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but things things have changed for the better on that yeah. front. So I, I I do want to highlight that. But I think that 
yeah, I, I've I've learned a lot of that from learning other languages. But you have got the benefit as well of, you know, referring to your own language as a reference point. Yeah. For for those sorts of things, um, sometimes it can be a bit of a hindrance. Yeah, that's it can the thing. Kind of isn't hold it? you back. It could be good, yeah. but it can be bad. It definitely has the potential to be mm. both. Definitely, mm. definitely. So it's, it's, again, up to you as an individual to kind of decide, right, is this helpful to me right now or is this not helping yeah. at all? And I think that's good advice, actually. Just being flexible on that, um, taking advantage of it when it feels useful and not when it isn't. I mean, I'm just thinking a little bit about my own language learning experience. I speak Turkish. It's my second language. And I spent, like, sometimes, yeah, sometimes that happens. Sometimes it was totally, like, comparing was completely useless because the language is really, really different. But sometimes noticing how different it is um, can really help. Like the sentences. Did you did you did you go for Turkish? I haven't. I didn't. I've not learned Turkish okay, yet, but okay. I know there's long words. There's long words. Yeah, that's definitely one of the main <laughs> things about Turkish. And some some fun accents going on. Yeah, yeah. The the alphabet's pretty. I like the alphabet. Yeah. Um, uh, but. One thing, one really noticeable thing about it, and this really helped me when I was learning Turkish, and this is what I tell Turkish people learning English, everything is completely backwards. It's almost a complete flip um, in terms of sentence structure and in terms of the way you're getting your ideas out. So, like, yeah, I think that's that sort of thing can be helpful too, not just finding the similarities, but also just like what's so different? What makes this completely different from the languages I'm used to? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And And... The the other the other thing is that I think sometimes we almost have this risk of thinking that maybe this is more of a thing when English is your first language, I don't know. But we have this risk of thinking that ours is the, the core way of thinking because that's what it is for us individually. And so we look at other languages and think, um, oh, it's different from mine. So we have to kind of step out of that and say okay they are different mm-hmm. both of them english is different to that and that is different to yeah. english and you know and and look at it from from that perspective as well i think that's that's helpful so we avoid getting into that trap of you know centrism solo com- yes yeah. that's the word thank you mm. yeah. yeah yeah seeing your language as the center of the world yeah that's mm. that's really good not just linguistic advice but probably sort of socio-political advice as well yeah. and also it kind of pushes us a little bit in the direction of um, how languages make you think and how they make you think differently which is also quite an interesting area like do you do you find that I mean it's almost a cliche but I, who knows whether it's true or not but do you find that you, you really do think differently with different languages it's also a cliche that you have a different personality with different languages and I'm not sure where I stand on that personally, I think there's lots of arguments for both sides. But I agree with you. I'm I'm not sure either. Mm-hmm. I I I don't know about the thinking differently. Mm-hmm. That one I'm less convinced on. I think the perhaps it's not quite personality because that feels more permanent, more like persona maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe that would be more different. Um, we were once in Brussels, me and my husband, and we arrived at the Airbnb, quote unquote. <laughs> it was not good. That bad, um, huh? <laughs> Really bad. The worst I've ever, ever seen. Um, we had no 
uh, key or lock for the door. I don't even know mm. if there was a door. So <laughs> I said to the guy, I was like, sorry, but this isn't what we paid for. There's there's no door. The, the bathroom had like a shower curtain. It was awful. And I was doing all of this in French. And I'm having this argument with this guy, you know, and uh, in the end we, we left and they agreed they would refund us. And my husband, we came out and he went, whoa, French Lindsay is sassy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I like to think I would do the same in English, but I don't know if I would. Mm. I just so it made you know. more confident to, to sort of stand up. Potentially, potentially. Because mm. maybe because English, and in particular British English, is my native language. And, you know, in Britain we have this very kind of cultural perception of politeness even if you look mm -hmm. at the coronavirus advice that we've had in our country mm -hmm. of like stay at home if at all possible if you can <laughs> stay, do this yeah. please when you can try to do this the way that we phrase things did perhaps didn't line up with what he was ex the way he was expecting me to talk mm -hmm. in french mm -hmm. you know and my husband doesn't understand french but you can still tell. You can still you? tell from yeah. everything else, can't you? So I do wonder, that has made me wonder, and we spent a lot of time in Latin America where, you know, he would see me speak in Spanish, doing interviews in Spanish. And, you know, again, he kind of perhaps observed it. Maybe it's something that other people who are very close to us are better at noticing than I ourselves. suppose. It reminds me of a story um, in Turkey, a friend of mine um, who was living there. She had a husband who didn't live there, but he, he would come and visit. He was out on the oil rigs, um, middle of the Atlantic somewhere. But he, he would come. He was American. She was British. And yeah, they were just walking in the street. And um, one of the neighbors comes, comes up, up, to, up to her. And she's like a, an, old, an old granny type uh, lady, like an old lady, local, local old lady. And um, they start talking. And then as they as they finished after they finished their conversation and they were walking off john the husband was like is everything okay jeez i thought you were about to have a fight you got really like really hyped up you both did and she was like no no we're just talking <laughs> but like <laughs> he, he hadn't really seen her like that when she wasn't angry um so he yeah. found it very strange because you know he's, he's very expressive very loud sort of um like i don't know if it's the language but certainly the there's a lot of that in the culture and, and yeah, so it all came across at once and she didn't even notice. Yeah. I wonder if, you know how like in one language you would code switch? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's more like that maybe. Like behavioral code switching. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a similar thing, isn't it? Of, I don't know. I it's, don't know. It's really interesting. I wish I had read some studies or something on this before we started, but I didn't realise we were going to yeah, go down that too. road. Yeah, Yeah, there's probably it's some stuff on this. Yeah. Definitely yeah. something to learn more about. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting stuff. But uh, let's move to the final, final question. It's a classic final question. Um, can you give us three tips? Just three tips, that's it, straight up. Um, I mean... Uh, most of our listeners are learning English, but we can extend it to just learning languages. Um, three tips. I'm not saying anything else. Three tips. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's in your court. <laughs> um, the first thing that always comes to mind is find something that you love. We've talked a lot about culture today. Mm -hmm. we've, we've talked a lot about how intertwined that is with language. And it gets to a point where it's very difficult to learn a language in isolation. Having something you love not only helps 
you to move past that point, but it helps to keep you motivated and interested in the language to get to that point in the first place. So and it's crucial what along if, the whole way. Yeah, okay. So that's really important. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be awkward and say, mm. what if you have to learn English and you don't love it? Thank you. That's a very, very good question. Okay, if you're learning English, you're at such an advantage because there is so much. Unfortunately, I, I think, there is a dominance of, of English language culture things that we can consume that are available to us um but for you as english learners take that and use it to your advantage there's bound to be something that just takes your interest and i know like for some people this is something is like for me it was shakira made Mm -hmm. me want to learn spanish and now here i am 15 plus years later just obsessed with that language and all of the cultures associated to it and I want to continue to keep learning so much more about it but that was it that was the spark so you know it doesn't have to be oh I love all English films or I love all um, books by this one author all of them it could just be one book it could just mm. be one film it, it doesn't and have to be everything. it doesn't have to be one of like you know a first language um speaker who produces this cultural stuff there's plenty of books yes. written in, in english by you know sort of afghanis iranians like spanish people um russians i'm just thinking specific, of specific ones already so yeah. perhaps if i'm i'm sort of trying i think it's sort of butting in a little bit but to extend your, your advice, like maybe um, it's quite possible that as an English learner, you're kind of fed up with this sort of dominance of, of English in the world because, mm. you know, you have to learn English and there's nothing you can do about it. And that kind of sucks. Um, so you might have a sort of uh, you might feel antagonistic towards the culture and stuff. And that's understandable. So but there's still plenty of English out there that's also not related to that culture. That's a really yeah. good point. And yeah. because of that unfortunate dominance, it also means that there's a good chance to read about other people, places, things that do interest you mm-hmm. through English and kind of using English, even if it's, you know, even if the culture just doesn't take you, even if it means mm-hmm. that the thing that you love about learning English is using English Wikipedia to read about other things that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. That could be it. And you, you're kind of, you know, using English, exploiting English. Exploiting We're talking about exploiting English. your own language. Yes. You can exploit English to to bring in your other interests. That's cool. Okay, yeah, so that works. I, I tried mm. to trip you up on that. I didn't really, but um, <laughs> it, it, it made it better. No, I think it's a really good point. Because yeah, yeah. a, a lot of what I talk about is is different because it's a lot of who I talk to is English native speakers, whether they're from America, Canada, UK, mm-hmm. Australia, New Zealand, wherever, who are learning other languages. And there is such a different landscape compared to people learning English mm-hmm. from anywhere else. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. I like it. So tip one, find something you love. Mm. Tip two. Tip two, record yourself. Yeah, I like that. It's probably not going to be comfortable. It's probably going to feel really awkward and weird at first. It hurts. It really hurts. (laughs) (laughs) And if that's how it feels, you don't have to watch it back every single time at the beginning. You'll get to that point. You'll Mm. get to the point where you can watch it back. 
But a good point. if you yeah right because you don't have to, don't yeah. feel obliged yeah wait until you're better and then look back and you'll feel good about it yeah exactly yeah. but if you haven't got over that initial uncomfortableness to record in the first place then you have nothing to look back on mm-hmm. and that is also i think one of the greatest motivations but also it helps you to check in because that's something else that's relevant i'm going to kind of throw that in with the same tip if i can yeah sure yeah. yeah checking in reviewing and and I, uh, do I do I say this now or should that be the third point? I'm going to hold back on okay. for, my, for my third tip. All right. It's related. Then I'm going to ask you now, what's your third tip? <laughs> okay. Third tip is set yourself goals. So when you've reviewed stuff um, from having recorded yourself and being able to check in with, with, where, with what you've done so far, you're able to then look forward and set yourself productive goals. Right now, my language goals are so broad and vague because coronavirus, right? Mm. I can't say, yes, I'm going to be able to show up every day at the same time and be feeling ready to learn this language or that language and do this much by the end of the week. But what I can say is I'm willing to show up and at least attempt to show up as much as I can and do what I feel like on those days. And that's the first, like the first goal is, is just, showing up doing the thing being there then you can get more specific and there's ways you can play around with this I've, again i've got a post i can share with you about goals if that's mm-hmm. if that's helpful absolutely um, yeah i would say that's 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 three solid tips three solid tips in three words yeah. love record goals yeah. okay great well we're going to have some show notes like downloadable with the with the podcast so any links to any of your posts or any other posts uh, that are relevant to what we've talked about today, we can just put them in straight away. So you've got one on like goal setting, for example. So yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll add all that in. That will all be there. Cool. cool. That's everything I wanted to ask. Um, have you got any final comments, questions, queries, complaints, anything not at all no thank you very much i've really enjoyed this this was great been some very thought-provoking questions for me i've i've enjoyed Thanks. chatting well, this out the, i mean you know these are topics that i've been you know i think about and i talk about a lot but the, I, a lot of these answers i've, I've never really thought about either so this has oh, been good. awesome yeah yeah cool great well thanks so much that was fantastic and oh yeah one more thing uh, where can we find you online so the easiest i'm i'm in most places the easiest way is to go to lindsaydoeslanguages.com and you'll find my links to everywhere over there as well cool l-i-n-d-s-a-y lindsaydoeslanguages.com that's the one that's one cool thanks so much um yeah thank you have a great day yes and you bye bye Okay, and that was it. Uh, Nice, lovely chat with Lindsay from lindsaydoeslanguages.com. If you're interested in more learning strategies, go and check out lindsaydoeslanguages.com. If you're interested in learning other languages or if you are learning other languages, she has plenty of tips on how to to do well with those. Um, Yeah, that's it. That was fun. Um, Just to recap, her her last final tips there were pretty good. You've got, to, you've got to do something you love. If you're, if, you're, if you're reading something that's boring, if you're watching something you don't like, if you're going through a grammar book and it's killing you, don't do it. Find something fun. Find something you'll enjoy. You'll do a lot better. 
Uh, tip two, record yourself. It kills you, it hurts, I know, but it's worth it. And after a few weeks of doing that, you'll, you'll see your progress and you'll also be able to uh, fix so many of your pronunciation errors that you don't realise you're making. And finally, uh, set goals. Um, she said it's good to set goals. And I quite liked the thing she said earlier on in the podcast episode, in the interview, in the conversation, uh, where she said uh, set mistake goals. Go out and, and go out into an English-speaking situation. Put yourself out there and, and decide that I'm going to make at least five mistakes. And don't stop speaking until you've made five mistakes. Um, mistakes are a great way to learn. And yeah, if it takes a long time to make five mistakes, then cool, you're doing well and uh, you're getting extra practice. So that's it. Love, record, goals. I'll leave you there. Uh, have a wonderful day, afternoon, evening, morning, whatever it is right now when you're listening. And I will talk to you next time. Cool. Toodaloo.